0: Welcome in everybody, Ethan here, Mike here, and welcome to the Blue Note Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things St. Louis Blues. It is episode number 29.
1: Oh, it's the Darren Kimball episode. He didn't spend much time here in St. Louis, you know, only two seasons. He spent 72 games here wearing the Blue Note, but boy, he made his presence known. Two goals, six total points, 294 penalty minutes. Holy crap! I cannot even imagine in today's world having a player take 128 penalty minutes in 26 games and 166 and 44. Just unbelievable, unbelievable. Totally different era. Like you just, you need to go back and rewatch some of this stuff just to kind of see what a show this was. You know, I've I've seen some highlights here from Darren Kimball, you know, never actually got the, uh, the true benefit of sitting down and actually watching like some live games here of him. But holy cow. I yeah. So Darren Kimball here, episode number 29, Darren Kimball episode.
0: Yeah, I mean, he might have the shortest career of anybody that we've picked for an episode. I mean, 311 yes. games, seven seasons, four teams different era, you know, it's a different game. Mm-hmm. We're not going to yep. be seeing guys rack up the the 200 plus penalty minutes or mm-hmm. you know, the fact that he had 128 and 26 games when he was traded to St. Louis is like insane. Right. I just I don't think we'll ever see that again and uh yeah, shout out Darren Kimball. Uh before we get into it, we got the season starting on Saturday, which would be tomorrow when you're listening to this podcast. The Blues once again starting pretty late into the season uh, compared to other teams that, you know, you look at when it actually started in the States, it was uh, on Tuesday. So the Blues, Tuesday, mm-hmm. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, then they play. Second year in a row, I guess don't, no point in looking too much into it. Uh, they started out really hot last season, good. so not I'm too worried good. about that. Uh, before we get into it, thank you to the listeners out there who uh, support, listen to the show. Uh, hit that subscribe button. You don't want to miss a single show. Give us a review if you love what we're doing. Get involved with the conversation over on Twitter at TBN Pod. You can follow our personal accounts. Mine is at Ethan Carter SW, and then Mike's is
1: at M underscore Meyer three.
0: All right, let's do it. Looks like we got some uh, blues notes to start us off.
1: Yeah, man, they're uh, like you said. They're actually returning to practice. They're returning here to St. Louis. They had the long layover, and so they actually just took a four day long bonding trip here to South Carolina. So they're officially going to be back in St. Louis. And I think they're actually back here today um, here, just like returning from their trip, but practice 11 AM here, at the Centene community ice center. So we will officially get some better looks and some confirmed looks here, like line projections, who's officially who's um, who's in, who's out. Um, I don't think you're going to see too terribly much different from what we've been seeing for the last couple of days, you know, being tweeted out um jake neighbor's looking like he's actually going to be slotted in here on that third that third line here but you know we'll get more into that here a little bit later so um you know biggest news team's back they're gonna be practicing here in st louis 11 o'clock
0: all right uh let's go around the central before we get into a bit of a blue season preview and predictions part of the podcast i guess we'll start with uh with arizona
1: yeah pittsburgh uh Pittsburgh had their way with them tonight, unsurprisingly. Six two victory. Uh, Jordan Schmaltz did not return after suffering from an upper body injury. Phil Mecca, he actually got the starting net here tonight, unsurprisingly, for the Yotes and Nick Ritchie got their uh their first goal and their second goal of the season here at that. So um it's it's gonna be a long season for Arizona. Very, very long season.
0: Yeah, uh, I kind of pegged them as a potentially scrappy team this year. Mm-hmm. That's not holding up so far. Good thing it's only one game. There's 81 to go, but yeah, uh, yeah Pittsburgh was dominant from the start. Got a quick three nothing lead. Obviously, Crosby scoring the first, but it's gonna be a long year for Arizona. Uh, a long yeah. one.
1: Yeah. Well, and like a team like Pittsburgh, like you're not gonna get much of them to actually throw down here in this game so i'm i'm not overly yeah. surprised here at at what they did um you know they out hit pittsburgh here 35 to 30 so but when you give up 53 shots it's i i can't say that i blame phil mecca for for the loss in this game
0: yeah chicago i mean you know
1: Chicago, yep. Chicago and Colorado, they squared off yesterday. Uh, it makes it easy for coverage here. We don't need to be able to do a separate Colorado section here just yet. Avs won this matchup here 5 to 2. Gorgiev stopped 15 to 17, while Morazik stopped 30 of 35. Taves and Domi, they got on the board here for the Hawks. Johnson, Athanasiu, Kane, Kuryshev here, like with the assists. On the other side here of things, Lekanen and Nishkanen, they looked real good. Two goals each. Rantanen in with four assists. McKinnon, McCarr, each with two taves. That's Devin Taves. Uh, he got one assist. So Colorado here off to the races. They're looking real good. McKinnon, he's already you know making a huge push here for that you know points scorer and points leader here in the NHL.
0: Yeah, I mean the the difference between these two teams is pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Blackhawks really struggled to get any shots on net. They had, I think maybe 10 or 11 through two periods, somewhere around there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a big gap in talent on these two teams. And uh, it was on display. I mean, the Avalanche, I don't think they're the type of team that's going to look like they have a cup hangover, uh, at least so far. The, obviously, Chicago is not a very good team, but, you know, um, the Avs have just so much talent in, like, every way. And I don't even think mm-hmm. their goal thing is going to slow them down very much, despite the fact their goal on paper doesn't really look good.
1: No, I mean, and you look at it last year, they won the cup with their goaltenders. It was not due to their goaltending. So, I mean, you you look back, you know, I think at one point, you know, it was anti-Niemi, like whenever he won the cup, it was the same situation where they won the cup with Niemi, not because of Niemi. So I think the Colorado Avalanche are going to be a similar case here in this situation, but... Um, yeah, they're, they're going to be off the races here already this season. So, and let's see. Then we also have Dallas and the Preds. So again, another central division matchup here to be able to start the season. Dallas and Nashville, quick live look here. In they're finishing up the second period here right now. Dallas is actually up two to nothing. Both goals by Mason Marchment. And surprisingly enough, two primary assists from Tyler Sagan. So, he, if you go back and listen, Tyler Sagan was actually, I think, one of the potential surprising players that you could see come out of Nashville. Um, if you didn't get the chance we'll able to take a look here at our season uh, preview here, like around the Central, be able to go back. Tyler Sagan was actually pegged as one of the potential surprising players that could be able to come out of Dallas this season. So far, he's looking real good. So, uh, I'll be interested to see if Nashville can be able to muster anything up here towards the end of the second and through the final 20 minutes here of play. But well, as of right now, it's, it's looking like, oh, up three, nothing. You're yeah, actually doesn't,
0: doesn't look good for Nashville. I mean, this is a Nashville Prague hangover. They go to Prague. They, they beat up on the sharks who look pretty bad. They beat them twice. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this is just kind of Dallas catching Nashville at a good time. Um, sorrow right. Sorrows really nothing he could do on that third goal. I just watched, I believe that is, uh, Kovelsky who scored there. So pretty much a that wide open net. Me. Yeah. So just four national defenders just standing there doing nothing. So yeah, it's a prog hangover. Give it time. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I don't know well, what's wrong then, with Minnesota
0: though. I'll I'll say that because we're about to get into them. My God. Yeah, world. that's
1: the big old yikes. That's a big old yikes here. Again, another quick live looking, you know, they have got, well, you know, and they actually just scored here. So that's always a good thing. They're so, down five to two here, uh, early, early, still in the third period. Early, but I don't see them scoring three goals to tie up this game here within the final 14 and change at this point. So um, I'll be interested to see what happens here with them. You know, Zucarillo got them on the board with a power play goal, Felino and Kaprizov. Um, I'm still waiting to see what happened here with their second goal. I don't know if you saw it here just as of yet. I think but... it was Boldy. There we go. There we go. Here's another, you know, breakout player that we were talking about. Um, here this season. So again, go back and listen to some of these uh these summer previews here to some of these different teams. And Boldy was definitely a player that was on the top of the list for a breakout candidate. So then we go north of the border. Oh, we'll
0: talk about this team.
1: Oh, Winnipeg. So they're going to play their first game here on Friday. So today. Here, I guess. Uh, they signed their top prospect Brand Lammer here to an entry-level contract. Amazing for them. You have the biggest water bottle I have it's ever seen in my one. life, sir. Holy yeah, cow! I don't, I don't drink it all every
0: day. Yeah, it's Holy a lot. Cow. It's actually pointless, to be honest. And by the way, uh, speaking of Minnesota, real quick, they just gave a goal right back, Kaka <sighs> six to two. So I just want to say, real quick, before we get into Winnipeg, yeah, Minnesota is a team that. Going into the season, I think people were higher on them than they should have been. Like, I wasn't that high on them. I think I had them, what, finishing fourth or fifth in the division. Yeah. I don't know if I see it. Like, I, I know Flurry's there. He's getting older. Uh, this team doesn't have the depth that they should. I think a lot of that is due to the buyouts still of Suter mm-hmm. and Parisi. It's kind of hard to fill out a good roster doing that. But that being said, it's only the first game, and the Rangers look like dominant in the first couple of games of the season because uh, yep. they completely controlled the game against uh, Tampa on Tuesday. But either way for mm-hmm. Minnesota, yeah, I'm not as high on them as a lot of people are. But, uh, I mean, back to Winnipeg, yeah. So Winnipeg's well, a team that's had a lot said about them.
1: Yeah. So just for to wrap up Minnesota here, like they're going to be a team that's going to go as far as their goaltending is going to carry them. They they have to be a team that can hopefully outscore their opposition. I mean, obviously to be able to win the games, you need to be able to score the goals, but you have to be able to outscore your, your mistakes. And right now, I think it's their goaltending that's going to make their biggest amount of mistakes here this season. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Minnesota actually pans out. Um, so let's wrap up Winnipeg here again. You know, Brad Lambert, entry-level contract, that's fantastic. You know, they get their top prospect here signed. Great for them. Team has officially named There are three alternates, Josh Morrissey, Adam Lowry, and Mark Shifley. No A for Blake Wheeler. Are we surprised with this? Mm. Shaking your head no.
0: Sure seems to me like uh, Rick Bonus doesn't like Blake Wheeler.
1: I think he's tired of him.
0: I don't know if Shevel Dayoff likes him either. I feel like if they could have trained him, they would have by now. Yeah, the contract is just so ridiculous for somebody that's his age. Nobody's gonna take that. Even like if you're if you're Arizona and and Winnipeg comes to you and says, "What do we have to give up for you to take Wheeler's contract?" I mean, Wheeler's a good player still. But yeah, they're gonna they're price. gonna
1: any single team that would be able to take on. Blake Wheeler, I I would have to imagine that there would need to be a top two to three prospect going in. I cannot imagine that they would package up somebody like Brad Lambert just to get rid of Blake Wheeler. There's no way I would do that. But I I think, I mean, if they could package up somebody here without giving up a top three prospect, I would do it just to shed the salary.
0: It's two more years, but, too. That's the problem. It's another yeah. season after this.
1: Yeah. But you also have to consider, I mean, they're they're not a Stanley Cup winning team. So, yeah, he's got the hefty contract. And I think if you can move him, then move him. But I'm not giving up the farm just to move one salary for a team that's not going to be able to win the Cup. That's just me. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's just me.
1: So... That's our look, you know, we didn't, you know, there wasn't really too much to be able to talk about here just as of yet. Most teams have only played one game. Nashville's playing their third game here of the season so far. But, um, yeah, not too terribly much to talk about. We're going to keep looking here, doing live look-ins and, and previews and recaps here as the year goes on. That's one of the big, big benefits, I think, to this pod is we're going to actually pay attention to, um, you know, the public enemies around the blues here as well. And be able to give our thoughts on these teams. If what's happening here is sustainable, it's unsustainable, or just like some big breaking news here, like with them, we want to do our best to bring that coverage here to the fans.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I will say Minnesota scored again, six to three. So they're not dead. They three. I don't see them scoring three more against just but I've seen crazier things.
1: It's wide open, baby. I love it.
0: Boldy again. So that's two for boldy. And oh you know, man, some some young studs or players that are expected to be young studs for both of those teams scoring tonight with Kako putting one in as well. So yeah. Uh a lot of goals tonight. A lot of it. goals tonight. I love it. F- My fantasy team doesn't
1: won, love it. So. Philly yeah. won.
0: Philly uh, getting that. a win. Chuck Fletcher doing doing the extension, the uh the Doug Armstrong special with the Sanheim extension, eight years yeah. six sure Doug Armstrong probably saw that news news. Like, I wish I could have traded uh traded for Sanheim and given him eight years six point two five. Yeah. Because when you look years, at it, it's six point five. Yeah. Six point five is more Armstrong's wheelhouse for those extensions, but six point two five, same thing. Yeah.
1: Well, if you if you saw in the chat, you know, I posted up the uh the rush hour, $50 million. <laughs> that's that's a mean, hefty contract. That's a hefty contract. We've seen a lot of contract. those. More, yeah.
0: uh, McKenzie Weger just got that deal with Calgary. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Doug Armstrong does it all the time. Now with free agency, he's doing seven years. I think he did seven with Krug. He did eight with Falk because he traded and then uh, extended him. Did eight with mm-hmm. Pareko, but couldn't do eight with Petrangelo, I guess. You know, whatever. Don't want to bring that up. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, we might as well throw it on over to the uh, season preview for the Blues. I mean,
1: let's talk Blues.
0: Yeah, I think let's talk blues. the fact we haven't talked a lot of Blues in the last like twelve episodes, probably. So I think this is a good a good time to to really hammer it down. As you uh, you kind of set the stage, as I take another drink of this water.
1: Not a problem. So again, season starts Saturday, October the fifteenth. Yours truly is going to be here at the pod. I cannot get over that water bottle. I just can't. It's a lot. I just can't. So the Blues have officially announced their opening night roster. You've got Achari, Barbashev, Brown, Butchnevich, Kairu, Levo, Neighbors, O'Reilly, Saad, Shen, Tarasenko, Thomas, Torobchenko, Walker up front here at the forward position. So let's, we were initially just going to kind of announce this here spot by spot, but I think let's do this let's announce them and then let's review them so here really fast are there any surprises for you and like what are your thoughts on the forward position
0: uh, i don't think there's any surprises um i think the only thing the only argument that i could make for a surprise would be Toropchenko being healthy enough to mm-hmm. to be on the roster yeah. um I don't know when he's expected to play. I think probably late October into November would be a good guess on that because they wouldn't put him on the roster if he wasn't going to play within the next month, I would think. Right. right. Uh, as for other guys, I mean, Walker, I felt like that was kind of a given, given the fact that that Costin struggled and he was traded, and yeah. then you have mm-hmm. um, Alexandrov, a little bit more time needed in, in the AHL probably. Uh, and I don't think that Ferk, or Highmore really did anything to make themselves stand out. I think Levo did. I think Pitlick did. I'm curious to see if they entertain the idea of bringing in Pitlick on, on a, a deal for the rest of the uh, season if when he's healthy. I think that's possible. But uh, other than that, no surprise. And I think the top nine for this roster is incredibly obvious how you line it up. I think the bottom, yeah. the bottom line's pretty – or the fourth line's pretty obvious as well, depending on where you put guys. But I think the top nine is pretty set in stone.
1: Well, and like you said, you know the top six, even just for that matter, is is all very, very predictable. It's a very veteran laden team that's going to come in. Not a lot of change from last season. Not a lot of change, and and there really shouldn't be. If there's going to be big changes, it's going to be going into next year. Where you've got Ryan O'Reilly, you've got um, Vladimir Tarasenko here. Like they're two big ones that are just coming up here on their contracts. So we'll have to be able to see, you know, what happens here with them. The bottom six, they've got some players that are going to be potentially interchangeable. You know, Nathan Walker did do a good job here over preseason, but boy, FERC, when he was in, he was making a name for himself. So I would not be surprised if somebody starts to struggle a little bit, if FERC gets a call alexandrov here for that matter too but it's it's gonna be really interesting because this bottom six especially the fourth line is very fluid very interchangeable and i would not be surprised if by the time that we even reach christmas that it's different so i i'm not Again, just to kind of you know wrap up here to the original question is that I'm not overly surprised here by anything. I am very pleasantly surprised this preseason by the play of Jake Neighbors and Josh Levo. And I'm really, really hoping for a step forward here from some of these other players. I'm hoping for a little bit more from Brandon Saad this season. I don't know what that necessarily looks like, but just as long as he's at least kind of a steady Eddie type of a player, I think, you know, he's going to do well. Somebody here on Twitter, I posted up, you know, what are you looking forward to most of the season? And they said, you know, the next level from Jordan Cairo. I don't know what that looks like either. You know, he was over a point per game player, just over a point per game player here. He scored nearly 30 goals at 23 years old.
0: 30, 60? Yeah. 90 points?
1: Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, are you starting then to expect and get into like a a Kyle Connor stage? I mean. I don't know if Kyra is that big of a goal scorer, but we'll see.
0: I think he can be like, I can't even think of a, a good comp because you look at some of the players that are, you know, maybe a little smaller than him that are right-handed shots that mm-hmm. have the explosiveness and they look different on the ice. I would say Barzal and uh and Marner, but I don't th- I think he's a better goal scorer than those guys. So but he's not a better passer than those guys. So I don't know. Yeah. I feel like I think a hundred points isn't isn't an impossibility for him. I don't think it happens this season, but I think the next level has got to be 85 to 90 points and it's mm-hmm. got to obviously be 30 goals. And uh, yeah. he's gonna have the opportunity to do that. You got to think the second line, or the one B line, or whatever you want to call it, is gonna be Saad O'Reilly, Cairo. I think that's obvious yeah. how they're gonna start the season.
1: If Cairo's so, not already like on the top line,
0: he'll get more so. minutes. I mean, Peron Peron departing opens things up a little bit more for Cairo mm-hmm. as well. I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's break it out here to the defense: Robert Portuzo, Justin Falk, Tori Krug. Nick Letty, Nico Mikula, Colton Pareko, Scott Perunovic, Callie Rosen, and Marco Scandela here on defense. Of course, you've got Scandella and Perunovic. They're both on IR. Any surprises at all to you on the defense?
0: Mm, uh, no. I mean, just the injuries are the one thing that I'm kind of thinking about the most um, with Prunovic being done until probably what April, March, maybe mm-hmm. uh, I think that's an issue. Um, Scandell. I don't expect to see him if at all this season. I'm not surprised with the way they did it because Mikula is going to be the guy that gets the opportunity, but I don't think they're going to hesitate at all to make any changes they need. Like if Mikel is playing poor, throw Rosen in there. If Rosen's not playing well, I could see them going down on the minors, bringing up Sam Marukov or bringing up um, Tucker. So I don't think mm-hmm. they're – I if they're smart, they're not going to be, you know, uh, cute. They're not going to be cute. They're not going to, like, mess around. Like, they're going to mm-hmm. make the changes they need to if those guys are struggling, and that's how it should be uh, to at least improve the team. But the, the bottom line is this team is going to be relying a ton on the top four, mainly Krug and Falk. So. Right. I'm a little bit worried about what we could see from Letty and Pareco, uh, just because the first year of Scandella Pareco was pretty good, at least before the bubble, and then the second year was disastrous. So I don't know if that's going to be the case with those two. I don't think it will be that drastic, but it's definitely a concern.
1: I think if you've at least got Pareco and Letty being your prototype, like going back to the time that Pareco and Letty were the the defensive shutdown-type pairing defensemen. I think that is going to be beneficial here. Let Krug and Falk take care of the offense. Start Letty and Pareko in the defensive zones. Let them be able to just just clear it out, transition the puck, do what you need to be able to do. Don't ask them to be able to to put up a ton of offense, and I don't think you should be able to ask them to, to do that. Again, that's what you've got Falk and Krug there for. As long as you just ask them just to play simple, careful, defensive style of hockey i I think you're gonna get a good season here out of them. So you're not I don't think you're gonna see the huge like wow factor at all from them like on the score sheet again, that's Falcon Krug. I'm not really surprised by a whole heck of a lot. I'm slightly. I guess slightly surprised here that it was Rosen that made the call over Kessel, Lyle, Tucker. All three, all four here really like they all looked really good here throughout the preseason. But I think Rosen, I think they went with him because they he has the most experience here so far. And he's the guy who they know confidently what they're getting by throwing him into the lineup. So, I don't know. I'll be interested to see how Rosen progresses here long, too. But they've got a number of guys who they could be able to call up just if in the event that somebody starts struggling. Or, of course, in more injuries. Yeah. So, Bennington and Grice, I don't think there's any surprise out of their starting goaltenders. Any thoughts? Grice looked good over preseason. He had that one game.
0: They're going to need a lot from Bennington, mm-hmm. and they're going to need Grice to to be league average, probably. Um, mm-hmm. I would say that would be good. Uh, Bennington's looked pretty good in the preseason overall. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, he he's looked, looked good. confident. Oh, he's yeah. looked similar to what he did in the playoffs last year. Uh, so I think those are good signs. It is the preseason, though. you got to take it with a bit of a grain of salt. Um, but, I mean, there's no crutch to f- – to fall onto, to if you're Bennington, there's really nothing behind you that the blues are going to be overly confident. In, Cause I don't think Grice is going to play the way Huso did last year. Mm-hmm. And then if there's an injury, it looks like you're going to just have to put Hofer in there and hope for the best. If he has to play, I mean, Hofer, I think he'll eventually be good, but he's still not ready to play like no. a, a steady role. And I think that's obvious. Mm-hmm. And you know, He's only, what, 22, 23, so I think he'd just give it a little right. more time with him. I think the plan's always been for him to step in next year if things go well enough in the American uh, Hockey League this year. So, yeah, I, just uh, the expectations for the goaltending are high because they need them to play well to have success. And uh, I think we've seen it a lot around the league where there's a certain level of a team that doesn't need a good goaltender or a great goaltender. I think Colorado is that team. But you look at some of the teams that have won Cups in the last few years. You, Vasilevsky, uh, Holtby was playing well when Washington won. You look at, I mean, Pittsburgh was somewhat of a Colorado with how good they were, but also Matt Murray had some big moments in those runs. So you need goaltending still in the in the NHL, even despite the fact that scoring has been up as up as it has been the last few years. Goaltending is still something that you need as my light finally turns on.
1: Big idea means the light turns on. I love it. Um, yeah. well, let's uh, we're just gonna make this. I mean, what again? I think like one of the shorter pods, so let's um, let's just do this here really fast. What are your expectations for the season? I'm just gonna like leave this completely wide open here. This can be total points that the team's gonna score, you know, goal score, thoughts on any sorts of trades. What, like, what do you think? happens and like what are your expectations for anything to happen throughout the season
0: so I think anywhere from 97 to 106 points is about the wheelhouse I would say uh, I don't think they'll score as many points as they did last season which was 109 mm-hmm. um, but I think they're definitely going to finish probably in the second or third spot of the central unless Colorado has something drastic happen I think they win the central pretty easily Um, but other things that I look at, uh, I'm thinking that there's going to be a call up that people are paying attention to in both the four group and the defense, whether it's Alexandrov getting the call or, uh, Kessel or Tucker or one of those players getting the call up to the, to the team this season. I think that'll be something that happens at some point. I don't know when, uh, but I think another key for this team is going to be, they need to have good special teams like they did last season. Mm -hmm. Like they need to have a top five power play, which they're still capable of. I know Perron was a big level of production on the power play last season and his entire career in St. Louis, but they still have so much talent. Like with the ability of the, the like they're one of the best teams in the league when it comes to passing. Like, there's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. You look at what Thomas does. Buchnevich is a really good passer. O'Reilly still a good passer. Uh, just the entire team has so many good passers. So, No reason the power play shouldn't be good. I'm interested to see what kind of looks they give with the penalty kill. I think you're going to see a lot of the same guys like Barbashev or O'Reilly or, you know, Bortuzzo. But I'm interested to see if a guy like Jake Neighbors maybe gets a look there just because you look at the way that he plays. I think he can kind of be a bit of a puck hound, and being able to get the puck out of the zone is obviously important on the PK, and I think he could be a guy that does that. I think Braden Shin – could do that as well. I'm also expecting Shin to play well this season because he's pretty much gonna have a mini-me on his line with neighbors. They're they're like very similar players, yeah. So that'll be interesting to see. I'm very interested to see how that line plays to start the season. The likely line of neighbors Shin and Barbashev. I think there's a lot of hitting that's going to be done by that line. Um, and I think that's a good thing, especially you can wear down the opponent to throw your other lines on the ice after. So that seems like a good thing that can happen, but uh, yeah, I, I think the expectations have to be high in terms of the playoffs when they get there. I don't think that they're a team that's going to get past the second round. I I think they're going to need some luck on their side and maybe good matchups to get there. But uh, I think they're definite, uh, maybe not as good as last season, but close. Um, and I think that should be the expectation going in. Is you have to be, you know, a second or third finisher in the in the division, and you got to get to the second round again.
1: You, your season expectations blew mine out of the water. I've, I mean, I've got a, just a few key points here. So, thanks for going the extra mile here on this one. <laughs> I, I think you're going to see a, a stride forward here from Cairo. I don't know. Again, I don't know necessarily what that means and how to be able to properly quantify that, but I think you just see a noticeable progression in his play, in his points, in his, like, I I think you just see him becoming the next guy. And, and again, it's, it's hard to be able to really translate what that means exactly. And I'm still think wrapping that up here, like in my head, as far as what I think that that means, I think you're going to see a big, big trade this season, whether that is, Vladimir Tarasenko being traded, or unfortunately Ryan O'Reilly traded. I don't think you're going to have both players. I think the Blues are going to end up trading one of them because you are going to absolutely like you cannot have another season where a player walks for nothing. I think that's a huge, huge thing that the Blues have got to figure out. And if Doug Armstrong realizes that one of these two cannot be re-signed, he has got to recoup some assets. The prospect pool is not deep at all. There's a lot of guys, but there are very, very few actual quality dudes that are in the prospect pool and trading away a player I'll just use Tarasenko because he's the player who I think most people are expecting is going to be traded a trade for a player like Tarasenko should be able to net you a team's at least top 5 prospect at least you need some quality help here, like on your blue line. You're getting a guy like Scott Perunovic potentially making his way up there, but you do not have a quality two-way defenseman that's ready to take over here and surpass Colton Pareko. You just don't. And so right now, I think they need help on the blue line and another forward or two to be able to just start slowly but surely injecting here like into the lineup here over the next couple of seasons. And so if you're going to have a player here like a Tarasenko that's going to be moved out, you got to recoup some assets. So those are, I mean, again, it's it's nothing major. It's nothing mind shattering, you know, here for this season here in itself. I just think you're going to see a, a stride forward here from a guy like Kairou and you're going to see a major trade.
0: I can see it. Um, Plain and simple. Yeah, I think the Blues really can't. Like you said, they can't really afford to have a guy walk for nothing again. I'd be kind of surprised if they traded O'Reilly in season. Um, I think Tarasenko is is more likely. Mm -hmm. But I also wonder, like, if they're first in the West at at the deadline, I don't think that they would they would make that move, even if they thought they couldn't bring both of them back, which I'm pretty sure they think anyway.
1: If they're near the top, it's it's going to be really, really tough for them to actually make that call, and I think it would depend what kind of a player that they're expecting to get back in return.
0: They could always trade his rights. I mean, I don't know how big of a deal that would be, but you get something back. I don't know who would make that yeah. move, but...
1: Again, it just it just depends. You know, I don't think you're getting a guy, you know, fans were saying, oh, David Pasternak. I think you wrote up, you know, David Pasternak. A deal could be made. Absolutely could be made. But I don't think that it's likely. I think it's more of like a, you know, an an PlayStation kind of a trade here rather than an actual like in real life type of a trade. So, yeah. All right. You want to do some quick confidence level checks here for this season. Yep. And then let's wrap it up. Cool. All right. So we're going to do a scale of 1 to 10. 1 being no way in hell this is happening. 10, got this in the bag, 100% full confidence. All right. Five players score 20 or more goals this season.
0: 10, yeah. I think that that's 100% can happen. I think it's – I could even name them. I think Kairou, I think Tarasenko, I think Butchnevich. Uh, I think sod, that's four, right? And then mm-hmm. I'll say Shin, so that's five right there. And I could see Thomas doing it again, and I could see O'Reilly doing it. So I think there's a very good chance of that.
1: Cool. Yep, I'm at ten here also. I mean, bearing a large injury here from several of your top players, I I don't think I, I don't think this is very difficult for this lineup to be able to produce. Jordan Bennington. Does he win at least 30 games?
0: Um, I think that's going to be a close one. I'll go six for this. Uh, a little over halfway. I don't know. I, I think it'll be close.
1: Okay. I'm going to have to go with a... I'm going to go with an eight. And the reason why I'm going here with an eight is because he is going to be the guy this season. He is the starting goaltender here for the blues.
0: Are you saying Grice is
1: going to stink? I'm not. I never once said Grice is going (laughs) to stink. Never once said that. However, I think if the blues are going to make it to the playoffs, I think if they're going to succeed down to the playoffs, I think if they're going to have any sort of success whatsoever, it will be on the heels of Jordan Bennington. It will be due to this goaltender. So, him winning 30 games should absolutely be something that he 100% needs to accomplish to help get his team to the playoffs. So Jordan Bennington winning 30 games. I'm in about an eight.
0: Well, um, how many how many games – like what is the maximum amount of games that you would allow him to play if you were Berube?
1: Uh, if it we're up to me –
0: 65, 66 –
1: yeah, it's probably sixty. Yeah, probably somewhere around there, between sixty and sixty-five.
0: That means they're gonna need something from Christ. They're gonna need like fifteen or twenty from them. That's okay.
1: That means Bennington yeah. needs to, be able to. He he just needs a five hundred record. Then be able to take that. Just Fair, just five hundred yeah. record. So, all right, Blues in general. Blues win the Central Division. Confidence one to ten
0: uh two i mean i don't see that happening
1: yeah i don't really see it happening here much of either so i'm gonna have to go with uh i'll go with a yeah two i keep trying to talk myself into the fact that like they're gonna somehow outpace colorado i just
0: nobody other than colorado is gonna go out and take it from my vantage point. like i don't see any but maybe edmonton just because i think mcdavid's gonna have a ridiculous season as last night showed but I don't think anybody's really gonna go out. Like in the in the East, there's like four or five teams that I could see going out and taking it, like Tampa or Florida or uh, Toronto or Carolina or New York. Like that's five teams mm-hmm. right there that I could see winning the East in the regular season. In the West, it's a completely different story.
1: Yeah. Well it's real to see here. I mean, it's it's gonna be a very interesting season to see like what the West does. So with that in mind, the Blues one to ten are the top team in the Western conference.
0: Two. Yeah. I don't see that happening either.
1: Yeah. I'm in about about a one to two and it's, it's not that I don't obviously don't have like any faith here in the blues. I still think that they're a top three or four team in the Western conference. I just don't see them taking the Western conference. So, all right. So we both assume they're making it to the dance they're making the playoffs. Do they win the Stanley Cup? 1 to 10.
0: I am more confident in that than winning the West or the Central, but I'm still at a 3. I feel like oh, I don't know. This team is good, but I don't really see it. I think that maybe they could get past Colorado this year, but I think that's about the maximum height that I see them going.
1: Okay. I need to circle back here to this, and we can be able to revisit this almost like on a month to month basis and see if our if our meter has changed here at all. I personally am about a six. There's a lot of good teams, but for some reason, I mean, it's it's I don't like to say it's a homer biased or anything, but you look at this team. I don't know. There's something about them that says mm-hmm. okay. I'm interested. You you got me interested. I I could make a case for them winning. On paper, I could make a case. I, I heard the other day, and I forget, yeah. and it's bugging me for the life of me. I've been trying to rack my mind here of this, you know, for, throughout this podcast, because I knew this question was coming up. But there was a, some guy that I was listening to here on the Athletics pod, and he was saying that his Stanley Cup projection was the Blues coming out of the West against the Rangers out of the East. And the Blues taking it. Boy, that that would be one hell of a a Stanley Cup final, I think. That would be a very interesting Stanley Cup final. I'd be interested to see if the Rangers would throw in Ryan Reeves.
0: Yeah, I think they would. Uh, You'd have Pavel Bucinevich revenge series, Mm -hmm. obviously. Um, Sammy Blay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I will say this. I think the blues are probably even now, even with the way they've changed their team, we've kind of seen the last couple of years. You don't have to be that. You don't have to be, a, you have to be able to do it, but you don't have to be a real heavy team to win in the playoffs anymore. No, no. You. I mean, you would need to be able to like be heavy when you, when you need to like Colorado right. and Tampa had that capability, but I do think the blues are almost more built to win in the playoffs in the regular season, even still. Right. Uh, but the only argument against that is that the regular season, there's a lot of scoring. This blues team has the capability to score a lot. That's why they can win in the regular season as well. But I do think they're more balanced as a team in terms of, they can do both in terms of winning in the regular season and the playoffs than they have been in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of that is due to the fact that they've kind of changed the way that they play more of mm-hmm. a transition game, more goal scoring, uh, I think you kind of have to adjust like that when you have players like Cairo and Thomas on the team. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I think that. So what what you're saying,
1: what you're saying is, is that I'm also talking you up a little bit more from your two.
0: Yeah. Maybe Maybe, go up a couple. Yeah. Maybe, maybe in a four. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm just, I'm just worried about matchups. I think matchups are the big issue here. I think they could beat. I think they could beat almost anybody in the in the West in the playoffs. Ah. Colorado's a tough one. But, like, Calgary would be a tough series. I think Edmonton, even though they've I'm had a serious? lot of playoff sure. issues, that would be a tough one. I think if Vegas is actually playing to the capability that they have, I think that would be a bit tough. Uh, I don't mean to dismiss all these teams in the Central, but I guess, you know, Nashville will probably present a challenge. Mm-hmm. I think Minnesota is about as fraudulent as fraudulent gets when it comes to teams that people think are good. Uh, that's just me. I don't, I prefer teams that don't lay over in the playoffs when they shouldn't, that's just my preference. But, uh, yeah, I I think it's safe to say the blues won't be Arizona or Chicago this year. They'll be better than them. So
1: I'll go 10 on that. There you go. Yeah. 10, 10, definitely on that one. So, all right. Last one here you said, and kind of, uh, you know, said your, your point here about this, but blues rank near the top. So I will say top five. Because all I said here in the notes was near the top. Top five in both power play and penalty kill.
0: Uh, I'm confident in the power play. I think that they will be good. I think they'll be top five. Uh, the penalty kill, a bit concerning. Because it's a fickle thing. Like They had a really good mm-hmm. penalty kill last season. But before that, it was pretty disastrous in certain spots.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: I'm not overly confident that I'll go five. But that's mainly because of the penalty kill. I'm I'm a bit concerned with the fact that that changes a lot year to year, and you got to get timely saves. I'm not saying Bennington won't do that, but uh, a bit worried about that. Even though they have a lot of good penalty killers in the team.
1: All right, so I'll let you do a half point. Let's have you not sit on the fence here. Would you rather sit on this and lean five point five or lean four point five?
0: I would lean 5.5, 5. yeah. 5.5,
1: 5. okay. I'm going here with a 7, and it's the same thing. I, I'm not as confident in the penalty kill here. Um, They've had a big shakeup with their coaching staff, and I think that's the biggest factor here for me is the coaching staff just needs to kind of prove that they've still got it. The personnel, I think, has it it's it's the deployment it's how that they are being ran it's it's the configuration it's making sure that what has been ran in the past continues to stay that way, and if need be and when need be um that they have the ability to adapt so i'm I'm at about a seven here
0: I think for that that's fair i mean I I think that this is a good team of individual penalty killers because they have a lot of, in terms of forwards and defense, but just putting it together is a bit of the issue there. But I think a lot of people are kind of worried about the power play in terms of losing Perron. Right. But that's like not really a concern for me at all because look at the way their their power play is set up. I know they have that shot with Peron from the left circle, but I I think you're not going to have that, which I think takes a little bit away from you, but you can also kind of – move more you know I don't even know what the word I would use is you could just move up and down the zone it move around both circles you could make different plays with you could also use your speed a little bit more like a player like Cairo if he's let's say he takes Perron's spot on the the power play he can make many more plays with his explosiveness and he's not just going to be teeing up the one-timers which is what Perron was doing and that's not a knock at all but uh, I think the Blues can be a little bit more dynamic on the power play, even without Perron in mm-hmm. replacing his production. I'm curious to see how they kind of do the units because we've seen Thomas and Cairo a lot on the second unit last season. Right. At least one of those guys has to be on the first unit. And I, I don't know how we would set it up, but uh, I think obviously you have Krug running the top unit. I think you go one defense is him, four forwards. I, I think the forwards are probably – I think O'Reilly is a the guy they'll keep on that unit. Um, I think Kairou should be on that unit. I would say Krug, O'Reilly, Kairou, Tarasenko, Buchnevich is probably how I would set that up. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just have Thomas and Saad and uh, Shin and Barbashev and I guess Falk or Letty running it on the second. I'm curious to see, I will say this with the power play, do they go two defensemen on the second unit with Letty and Falk? Possibly. I mean, no,
1: I think you got a deep enough forward core that you could still go four and one.
0: I think you can. I just think they might try to do two defense just because you could. They're both good track records in terms of their offensive ability. And I will say, you kind of like Barbershop deserves a chance to be on the power play, but he's kind of like almost an on the fence guy with that Mm -hmm. just because, you know, his game is much more suited in five on five and, Mm -hmm. and, even four on five, but I uh, maybe neighbors gets a look. I mean, he's got the skill. Maybe Logan Brown's very skilled too, so I think yeah. he's a guy that could possibly park his, have one too.
1: Park his tall self just right there in front of yeah. him that. So
0: yeah, that would work well. Yep.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got here for this episode. Anything else we want to be able to shout out or anything before we head out here? Well, for
0: the next time that we talk to these people will be after the first Sunday. game of the season. Yeah. So hopefully the Blues can get it done, open up the season with a win, something that they have done quite well for a few seasons now. I believe they, what was it? They beat Colorado last season in the first game. Uh, and then the year before that was. Oh, Your memory's me
1: be better at this on mine than mine.
0: I had I had it in my head, and then I lost it. I think it was Colorado again, actually. I think they beat Colorado in Colorado two years in a row. And then the year before that was Washington. That was a loss. But still, Columbus, different ball game. Probably and it's Columbus also has
1: been very interesting so far this preseason. Very, very wanna, interesting.
0: If we want to preview a little bit of the game real quick before we're done, uh Columbus lost four to one last night to mm-hmm. Carolina. They got outshot mm-hmm. 43-32. Also notable, tweeted this out earlier. Patrick Line a is out three to four weeks for Columbus. So we won't see Line a in St. Louis on Saturday. Very notable because that is a guy that has sixteen goals in 17 games against the Blues. So
1: including what was it? Four or five. five? Was it
0: four or five? five. Just yeah. He hit, he hurt him in the playoffs too in that series in mm-hmm. nineteen. So Line A is a Blues killer and he will not be in the lineup. They will have uh, obviously Johnny Goudreau. Also notable for Columbus is the fact that they're playing Tampa on Friday. So it's a back to back for them. No reason the blues shouldn't come out and step all over him.
1: Well, and I'm interested to see because you had Elvis Merz, Elvis Merzlikins out day-to-day. I think he was sick for that game that they lost four to one. So if they play back to back, do the do they start Elvis that game or do they start him against Tampa and give him one extra day worth of rest?
0: That's an interesting so, uh, interesting thing.
1: I don't know. I'll I'll be very very curious to see how El, how elvis plays if elvis is actually in the building if hmm. what happens with him so we'll be able to see but yeah we'll be able to break down that full game um i'll be there cheering them on here like from the press box and um you know we'll just be able to to go from there
0: yeah um i mean if they don't start mers leakins, it's going to probably be tarasov or tarasov or Terasov or however, however you pronounce that. I know that the Samsonov was Samsonov and now it's Samsonov. Is it Terasov I don't know. Uh, but yeah, he, he, uh, he had a rough go somewhat of a rough go, I guess. I mean, 39 saves and 43 shots is not that bad, but also no. born the same year that I was. So he's young. Uh, you think, what are you doing
1: with, my, what are you doing with your life? Like <laughs>
0: it does make me think that. Yeah. I mean, he's born in 99. He's playing in the NHL. I was born in 99 and I'm doing various podcasting stuff. So it's the same thing pretty much. Uh, oh, yeah. Same yeah. Thing. Absolutely. I'm making the exact same amount of money too. Uh, Line A did score the only goal for them. So they don't have any goal scorers playing in this game on Friday against Tampa. So it's a, you know, it's not like they're going night game on Friday into a day game on Saturday. So there's plenty mm-hmm. of time between it's still a back to back, but yeah, the blues are set up very well to win uh their first game and also there's no games in the entire league on sunday so that's kind of interesting the blues are not back until yeah none and then the blues are back until wednesday so who scheduled that well i think they pretty much uh i'm i was gonna use a phrase but i might as well just stay away from that they're pretty much having everybody play on saturday so I don't know. Maybe what the, the in the What sense in the
1: world? I miss that. What sense in the world, NHL? Come it on. It's
0: the NHL. You know they like to mess things up.
1: You could do three games on a Sunday. Just three. I don't care. Do
0: two. You've done it before. <laughs> you had two games your opening night. I mean, the Blues don't play until Wednesday after Saturday, so they could have easily played Sunday as well. First national game of the year against Seattle. That'll be a beat down. So that'll be fun. Fun to watch. So, yeah, All I guess right. you've, we'll up, have, you've uh, upset
1: me. There's no games on Sunday. We have to wait until Wednesday. You've upset me here now. All right. We just need to end the, the pod here on we, that.
0: We got to We got to let it go there. I mean, so, yeah, we'll we'll be back uh, for number 30. That'll be on Sunday. Uploaded Monday, I suppose. We'll talk about. The Columbus game, then we'll get you set for the rest of the week and other notable, uh, notable items, I guess I should say. So uh yeah, that is uh, that is it for us, it's episode twenty nine of the Blue Note Podcast, Bleed Network. Uh follow our Twitter at TV and Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Ethan Carter SW. You can follow Mike on Twitter at
1: at M underscore Meyer3.
0: And we'll see you next time for episode number thirty.